You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome. You found Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. And while I am, this is your host, Lawyer Liz, and while I am an attorney with the Atlanta office of Hall Booth Smith, Buzz Off is not legal advice. Instead, it is a weekly look at all of the buzz surrounding the Internet of Things, driverless cars, drones, and all of the technology in between. So welcome as we get started on yet another wild and crazy discussion, I hope, Uh, because when you look at all of the putting politics aside as this show is being broadcast and also the recorded, we're heading into Thanksgiving where folks are dreading having to talk politics and such on this last presidential election. And instead, let's talk about something fun and what happens when you bring hacking and information security, when the real world crashes into video games. And we had looked in the past about hacking in movies and what devices or vehicles, basically, what have we been promised that we haven't received? And so today we're going to talk with some of the folks who are masterminds or consultants behind one of the hot new holiday timed releases video games called Watch Dogs 2 from Ubisoft and see how they worked within the technology and how do you bring hacking into the hacking and the technology into a video game in a realistic manner because gamers today demand and as they should we should be there we should have the gadgets and gizmos as much as possible as they are in real life if that's the aim of the game but before we delve into hacking and my personal favorite the drones in watch dogs to a brief look at some of the news and buzz surrounding politics and policy because despite the current administration having less than 60 days left in office congress is not taking a you know, taking a vacation quite as much when it comes to some of the technology technology issues And then also the next administration is gearing up to how do they address problems that haven't been solved. So for those joining along and listening in, tune in to and keep an eye on what's going on in Washington. Because behind all of everything you're hearing on various announcements, some of the committees and some of the regulatory agencies have meetings coming up through the month of December and the F. CC, the Federal Communications Commission, has lightened their December meeting agenda, but the FTC hasn't necessarily done the same. And when we're talking about autonomous vehicles and also looking at some of the privacy issues that have come up, including new rules and guidelines with net neutrality, that's, let's see where they're going to go, because the 
makeup of each of these commissions may change with the new administration. And so keep an eye on that, as well as the Senate Commerce Subcommittee on Space, Science, and Competitiveness. Uh, Senator Cruz is taking a look at AI and artificial intelligence with a hearing scheduled for the Monday, or excuse me, the immediate week back following Thanksgiving on November 30th. And it'll give some guidelines because while the administration is changing, what not everyone is leaving D.C. The swamp won't be completely drained, so to speak. So keep an eye on what's going to come out and perhaps a foreshadowing of what do you do when the car is autonomous and the school children are walking in front of the car at the crosswalk or if your car is going to swerve to avoid the dog that has run out on the road or drive off the cliff, all of those AI ethics issues may come up during this uh, hearing next week. But in the meantime, the Wall Street Journal has been running a series of articles, including one titled, Car Designers Are Taking a Cue from Science Fiction Flicks. And when Christmas lists are being made, one thing to keep an eye on is, well, video games. What what do you want to have on your Christmas wish list? And if you don't already have Watch Dogs 2, I recommend adding that to the list and getting a taste for how the game designers, in this case, didn't necessarily create a world that they hope will be what you see kind of predicting the next uh, gadgets and gizmos. Instead, with Watch Dogs 2, they took a little bit of that, but also brought in what actually exists and integrated, uh, I keep talking about it just because I like it, it's a 3D printed quadcopter that can, uh, our hero Marcus in the game can pull right out of a backpack and use it for viewing and uh, tracking. And so without much of an introduction, want to welcome, uh, and Thomas, I'm going to mispronounce your name because I'm going to give it a southern twang instead of the appropriate French uh, pronunciation, but Thomas Gefford with Ubisoft, who was content brand director for Watch Dogs 2, has joined us as well as David Maynard, who served as a narrative consultant for the game. But Thomas and David, welcome welcome to the show. Hi, Liz. How are you? Doing well. And so, uh, Thomas, any conversation with you during, what, October through March has to include a uh, comment. How, how's your hockey team doing? It's doing good. Canadians is doing okay this year. Uh, well, <laughs> it, the season is still young, right? It is, it is still young, and we've lost four of the last five, but uh, we'll get there. I'm pretty sure we'll get there. There you go. Well, it, Congratulations on, from all accounts, an exciting and successful launch of the game. It's been quite Thank a you. whirlwind. Now, what all? Yeah, 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 yeah everything went uh, went really well so far. So 
right now we're looking at uh, at the players' feedback if they enjoy it or not, and uh, it's very positive. So we're pretty happy about that. Well, and that that says a lot because while Watch Dogs One was certainly a smash success, some of the critiques were dealt with kind of the feel for the game and stuff. But everything I've seen and read. Y'all just knocked it out of the ballpark. I mean, you listened to the community and have delivered exactly what they were looking for and in some cases exceeded expectations. That's no easy task, is it? No, but uh, it was really something we focused on uh, when we made uh, created Watchdog One. Uh, it's a new IP, new intellectual property, and it's always a, a huge challenge for us to to create those universes and to create those games as so many parameters are new, even to us as we move forward. So we knew the final product wouldn't be perfect, far from it. So it was really important for us just to look at what the feedback was, uh, trying to identify what went well so we can better it, what went wrong so we can fix it, and overall trying to be better at what we were trying to do. Also, it was great because uh, as we were developing Watchdog 1, we were running everywhere uh, trying to finish this game, and even though we finished it a bit late. Uh, uh, but you don't really have time to reflect on what is the overall brand and what is the overall message we want to convey and what is the lines we'd like to keep uh, all along this uh, this watchdog uh, this watchdog franchise so it was really a great time to incorporate all the comments and all the feedbacks and all the results we found from watchdog one to create the brand that watchdog is now well tell us a little bit about what y'all crafted the storyline for watchdogs 2 because it's different from watchdogs 1 and it's y'all integrated into the story cultural kind of really a snapshot of what's going on these days but perhaps share with the listeners a little bit of the story in the world you've created Absolutely. I, I would say the world we created is very close to the real world, and, and this was really an intent on our side. Uh, however, we just used something uh, that we explored in the first watchdogs called the CTOS, which is the idea of a hyper-connected smart city in San Francisco. So the whole story is about Marcus Holloway, a, a young hacker uh, that is basically getting framed by this CDOS system, by this citywide system, uh, as a potential criminal, as we've seen happening uh, already in Chicago uh, with all those predictive crime software, uh, is being framed, uh, unjustfully framed, and basically you start the game trying to erase his his files, uh, because it's not true, and as they move along and try to mess and have fun against this, uh, this CTOS, they uncover more and more problems within San Francisco and joining a group called DeadSec uh, and other Which hackers. I was going to say, they, by the way, Mr. Maynard is sitting in the studio representing with his DeadSec hat. Uh, <laughs> so have no fear. Uh, your consultants continue to be excited about the game. So so as you're explaining, it, we've got Marcus, our framed you know, hacker running through the street of San Francisco under the ever watchful eye of surveillance cameras. And, but it's, Absolutely. but it's more than that. I mean, it, they're not just eye in the sky cameras. I mean, they're tracking a lot of information. 
Yes, and it was super interesting, and uh, I'm pretty sure D David can uh, can expand on that. Uh, it was really interesting for us to be in Silicon Valley because uh, obviously situation bloom is a is a construct uh, for for watchdogs. Uh, we invented it, even though it's really in reality, but we invented it. However, being in Silicon Valley allowed us to to confront CTOS to real companies that are hacking today, uh, the big data brokers and everyone around. So to us, it was a nice way to merge our uh, our constructs, our our creation with the reality of big data, data gathering, and uh, algorithm on top of that. Well, to say, and so you've raised a bunch of interesting points that we'll, we'll pick up with big data and algorithms. We're going to jump to our first commercial break on Buzz off with Lawyer Liz, America's Web Radio. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week for a full hour of all the best and latest information on how you can get the skills and equipment you need to protect the ones that you love. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. And we're chatting today with uh, Thomas Gafford and David Maynard, who uh, Thomas really had a finger on the pulse of the information security community and developing Watch Dogs 2 for Ubisoft. And Thomas, we were talking, speaking before the break about all the data and one of the backdrops to the storyline so we've got the framed i mean as a player of the game you are marcus uh at least from a start off point and you're racing through the city of san francisco trying to clear your name and you've described this world that ubisoft has created where cameras and data collection is everywhere. And so as we consumers in the real world are using all of our devices, and if you Google something or perform a Google search on your laptop at the office and then go to your uh, 
iPhone or you know, Android phone and do something, you might notice that the data is following you and stuff. And so y'all have taken that concept and blown it up in a larger world view, it sounds like. So one of the things... Uh, and welcome, David. No, right. well, uh, I'm happy to be here. One <laughs> of the things that, uh, as a, a consultant and now as a player that I really find uh, great about this game is how accurate it is. Through you know, as you move through different parts of San Francisco, and you know, I've been there several times, and so have you. You know, you recognize uh, lots of locations like Union Square. Uh, and, and I've then, even seen social media posts where someone says, "This view looks familiar," and then pans out from the game to their window, and it is truly the same vantage point. That was actually a video that Thomas shared with me yesterday. The guy who was playing at home and uh, looked out uh, his window, and it was it looked exactly the same. It was it was somewhat startling. So, as a content creator and crafter, how satisfying is that, Thomas? That folks are really picking up on the world you created. Oh, it's really exciting. Uh, the thing is, uh, as we are developing a game, we cannot be one-on-one accurate, so we have to make a lot of choices uh, based on the the size we can do and the number of elements we can have. So it's always um, some kind of a bet to try to get the uh, the city and the feel of the city right uh, while removing some parts of it and changing the, um, changing some distances between uh, between landmarks and everything. But I think for uh, for San Francisco, we really managed to 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 grab the feeling of walking into those city uh, those streets, and uh, the art team did an amazing job on that. Well, in in playing the game, it's not just a one person. You know, it's not just Marcus against the world. He engages. It's, a, it's an open world game. Yeah, meaning that uh, you don't have to follow like a standard linear progression like Super Mario Brothers from you know 1986, right? You can uh, you can run around the city, you can run around uh, Silicon Valley, San Francisco, and Oakland, which is strange because your brother lives in Oakland. And yes, I, I can't wait to talk to him uh, about all the the great things I've learned about Oakland from this game, like how how violent Oakland can be. Well, and that's it is. When y'all were trying to bring in some of the reality, did you wonder where was that a consideration of? Well, if we make, if we take out too much of the traffic, or if we clean up streets or remove too much of the graffiti, uh, folks aren't going to recognize it. But at the same time, the visitors bureau would thank y'all tremendously. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's uh, it's the same for everything. Just like uh, I've spent a lot of time with David and at DefCon and uh, and uh, reading about InfoSec and all those kind of things, we, we have exactly the same approach with the city. So as a matter of choice, uh, we try to be as accurate as possible while keeping in mind that we're making video games and that we have to sustain uh, what the medium is all about. It has to move forward. It has to have what we call a gameplay loop. So you have to repeat some things and you have to learn and you have to progress so it's really in this in, in this approach of making the most relevant choices that is super important so just like i'm spending a lot of time at defcon and uh, and with infosec uh, and at infosec um, conferences our our world builders and world designers 
went multiple times and spent days in San Francisco, not only for scouting, but also to get the feel of the city, uh, the sound designs and everything uh, that could make you feel like you're really in San Francisco. Well, and that brings us into a little bit of the, the gameplay itself, because you mentioned uh, you mentioned DEF CON, which is probably one of the premier Information security. I don't think anybody's used Premier and DEFCON ever in the same sentence. So I didn't. Awesome. I didn't say it was clean. I didn't say that. You know. Uh, I didn't say it was a flashy affair. It's is instead. It's it's a good finger on the pulse of what's going on in information security research. Kind of what what's to come. But it takes place in Las Vegas, uh, in conjunction with or right around the same time as. Or, immediately following Black Hat, and there's also security B-sides. But it's a conference where the people who are doing come and get a chance to have a sense of community. And, Thomas, we've gotten to know you, and I say we, but a lot of the researchers, as well as myself, have seen you around the conference for several years now. I mean, you've you invested a lot of time getting to know those with whom you were about to create and design was that a conscious approach that ubisoft did or did you have to kind of guide them and say this is what we need to do uh, i think it's a mix of both uh, i've been able to do it because this is core for Ubisoft culture. Uh, we also do the Assassin's Creed and obviously they have historians and they try to be uh, to be really focused on what they're doing. Uh, on the other hand, on my side, uh, when I arrived on the project uh, Watchdog 1 was already started and I really had to push to make sure that we would get more and more authenticity in that. The idea of going to the con, however, it really stems from what I believe our brand is. It's really trying to be um, a simplification of of the, the complicated uh, uh, infosec problem that can be there, and we're trying to to give a message, or at least to package something, or to to make gamers think a little about uh, the technology that surrounds them. And what I know is that by going to uh, con and infosec cons and meeting hackers, the the, the way they think about those issues uh, is basically uh, f- uh, fed by m- more than thirty years of reflections on those issues: privacy, surveillance, data intrusion. Uh, all those kind of elements have been uh, have been thought about by the uh, by the infosec community. Oh, absolutely! Have, I was going to say, simple citizens. You could. You can go on, I'll say, you go on Twitter, any of the things, I mean, privacy, surveillance, uh, the security are certainly key issues, uh, but one of the things is, did you have an information security background or technology background before you started working with uh, all of these games and with Ubisoft, or is that something you've developed through your research? Uh, basically, uh, I did uh, an ethnosociology of deviance on internet in 1994. So I've been in touch with the the hacking and the cracking community since then. So for more than 20 years now. But uh, I, I'm not a tech guy. I'm more into words. 
So I really, uh, I never really latched onto the uh, the technicality of hacking. However, I've always been close to the culture and and the uh, the benefits, or at least I would say the the impact the hacking community had on our on our society. So one of the one of the interesting things is uh, when Tomas and I started working together. Uh, I got the script maybe on a on a Friday, and I, I have to admit I was a I was a huge fan of the first game and how uh, hacking was being portrayed as a, a positive influence and something that you could use uh, to combat. Uh, Problems. Well, and that's a, that's an overall theme that certainly is picked up a lot with Watchdogs too. Is that Marcus is he? You like him. You want him to do this. That hacking is not uh, grand. There are a lot of hoodies, but uh, I'm wearing a hoodie right now. It, exactly, but <laughs> but it's not an anger. It's not an overall dark menacing. I mean. It's a it's a change from Watchdogs one, but it's also I think a change in the view worldview of information security researchers. And but I noticed it. And David, as a game player, have you noticed a change in the DeadSec is not and DeadSec is a hacker collective, but they're not all angry, mean, uh, coffee guzzling. You. I think there's a lot of co- coffee guzzling going on. And Red Bull and all and of the, the others. But So one, one of the most dramatic changes about this game from a player perspective that I've noticed is that the first game was somewhat dark and very serious. I feel like the second game, you know, from a player's perspective, is uh, much brighter. Uh, and while the topics are still timely and important, there's a, a certain amount of levity to them uh, where it, it's just more fun to play. Well, and so, Thomas, when you are developing the script and you looped in David as well as some other uh, famous or infamous and renowned researchers in the community, did did you have a direction with who you wanted to bring in or was just you, you met them through the conferences and got to know them and said, your input, you need to come in and have a look at the script? Uh, there are two things. The first one, I think, for the, the the switch we had in tone and characters, and the fact that DeadSec or the overall tone of the game is much more happier, uh, I think is a direct uh, consequence of me going to the cons. Uh, I was expecting, even myself, because uh, we are all full of stereotypes when we're out looking in, of something very dark and uh, and almost aggressive. And and when you read about DefCon, it's all about protect yourself and everything will be so nasty. And then I found some super happy people having a lot of fun and being super social and, and having a blast of a time. And I think for us, it was, uh, as we're trying to portray, we know we cannot nail everything perfectly, but as we, we try to discuss or at least leverage the, the hacking culture, uh, it was really important to us to show the diversity and the fact that it's not all this one, you know, single double uh, double bird guy uh, in his mom's basement doing his thing, but it was a lively community that were doing a lot of things. So starting from there and meeting so many different and great people, uh, what motivated me, and especially to work with, with David on this one, is his intimate understanding of the medium itself. 
uh, I started working with other consultants that were not gamers, and usually what happens is that they're either stuck into their technical correctness and don't foresee what what would be the benefit of you know uh, exactly uh, what what's the benefit pushing, of pushing a little more and, and what has been amazing working with David on this project is that his, his understanding of the medium itself and, and the the quality of his work uh, and well, the and sacrifices he, w- he was willing to make technically to to sustain the game really you certainly I was say yeah. y'all have been a dynamic duo and we're going to jump to our commercial break and delve into that when we get back but you're listening to buzz off with lawyer liz on america's web radio your auto love and investment demands the best and for 45 years passport transport has been meeting those demands from manufacturers to the one car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby the first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind passport transport your auto transportation company contact passporttransport.com with your need today Passport Transport. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz. And we're chatting today with David Maynard and Tomas Gifford uh, from Ubisoft on Watch Dogs 2 and the work it took and the process it took to bring information security, hacking, and a quadcopter and surveillance, all these timely issues into a an open world video game that really hits the nail on the head from initial response and just what I've seen. So congratulations again to the entire team. But as we were talking before the break about how you worked with all of these different researchers and I'm biased because you worked with David Maynard but you met you said you met a lot of them through getting to know the community that that was a change from watchdogs one how many conferences did you attend in doing just your research Oh, I think I would say the five last DEFCON, uh, plus a couple of others uh, in Europe. Well, and now did you did you want to bring in, or did y'all bring in it? Because the drone, I keep going back to this because I'm biased, but it helps. You brought these technology tools in, so you've got this drone that the main character Marcus can whip out. You. Know, set to flight and it helps him in his hacking and his participating in the surveillance state that San Francisco has become 
Now, did y'all incorporate research you saw at DEF CON into this? Uh, aspects of just not only the drone, but I mean, really the entire surveillance world seems to have incorporated and listened. Let me give you an example of how, uh, of how accurate Watch Dogs 2 is. Uh, just uh, two days ago, I actually shared a link with uh, Tomas on Twitter where uh, hackers in Europe are compromising ATM machines and making it spit out money. Uh, last night, I actually got to the mission in Watch Dogs 2 where you compromise an ATM and make it spit out money. It, it's, a, it's a weird parallel to see that the stories that are driving the game are taken directly from uh, the headlines. They're not, uh, they're not contrived or made up. There are actually things that are going on right now in the world. I mean, that, that's refreshing. And from a consultant uh, point of view, when I uh, originally got the script, there wasn't a lot of things I had to uh, change or uh, I suggested to be changed. The script was already pretty good, and my input was more polishing than it was creation. So it's impressive to see a team like the guys at Ubisoft who were able to uh, put all that together even uh, before uh, people like me came in. Well, and tell us, were there things that you saw at DEF CON that immediately said, this has to go in, or yes, this, or oof, I don't know if I can get legal to agree with that one. That one may be (laughs) too much. I mean, what was your favorite uh, research that you saw that you were able to to convince everyone to get incorporated into the game? Uh, Now, remember... uh, I don't think that the the fail panel talk should be included in this. No, no. There are certain aspects of <laughs> no, DEFCON that there are, there are no cameras no, allowed. A joke about Dildonics, but, but <laughs> we'll stay from, away from that. Uh, I think, in the end, what is the most spectacular things we brought from, from DEFCON to put into the game? Uh, it's going to sound a little weird, but it's not even technical. I think it's the culture, it's the openness. It's the uh, it's the fact that the hacking community, and especially when I go to DEFCON, I come back more aware of my environment than when I arrived in. And I think this is what we've been trained to put into this game. So not focusing too much on the technical side of things, uh, just trying to make sure that it's not too stupid, but really trying to understand what is the effect of a hack. And we have this saying for Wasdog. Uh, Wasdog is about hacking into humanity. So we're not really focusing on the technical side of things. We're more focused on the social aspect of technology today and the fact that hackers are basically the, uh, the only one that can really help us simple citizens to understand a world that has gone increasingly complicated in terms of technology and that we cannot understand at all now. So we rely on hackers You've made to hackers the heroes. I like it. I mean, and on the, what was it, uh, 25th, or what anniversary of the movie Hackers is it? It was 19, I think it's the 30, uh, 20th anniversary? 20th anniversary, so, 95? you know, it, Hackers haven't had the best reputation, even starting from the movie War Games. I mean, the hacking in War, war Games, it, we've spoken on the show about it before, it's what promulgated, it's what instigated the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act and some of the legislation that Congress deals with now were because basically movies and TV scared politicians. And so it... it, Ronald Reagan specifically. 
It, it did. And with Watch Dogs 2, y'all seem to be giving a light of hope via hackers. Right. Now, one thing I want to also mention, historically, hackers have been portrayed as being bad dressers. If you look at the movie hackers uh, or sneakers or war games, not very uh, fashion savvy people. Marcus is definitely fashion savvy. <laughs> well, and y'all have done it. He a, is. A, maybe, uh, maybe a bit too much for some. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. Did it? But at least he followed the rule from Death God. Was it uh, three, two, one? Uh, yes. Three hours sleep, two meals, and uh, one shower each day. So now, when you were bringing in some of this technology, did y'all? Try to craft, I mean, with the surveillance element, were you afraid that you may be giving people ideas, or do you think the ideas are already there? Well, from a technology... Uh, I think the ideas are... Oh, please, come on, Dave. Uh, go, go, Dave. Um, uh, from a technology point of view, the, the surveillance and uh, gathering and anal- uh, analyzing data, is uh, that that's not functional. Uh, I mean, there, there are some liberties that have been taken... Uh, in the name of making uh, the game more entertaining, but the core concepts behind the game, which is uh, an ever-present surveillance state that's being used to profile uh, and pass judgment on on people, that is uh, not science fiction. That is actually happening today. Yes, absolutely. There are some technologies like Pretpol and other other vendors that are providing solutions for for police departments to uh, to anticipate problems and even to identify possible criminals, and this is a this is a very huge problem that is not yet discussed because it starts on the ground that everybody is a possible culprit, not an innocent. So it has created some weird situation in Chicago uh, with what they've called the hit list, and uh, we've seen those softwares uh, or systems uh, spreading, especially in California. And this is something we wanted to talk about. Well, and so for those who may not, those listeners who may not be aware of what's going on in Chicago, uh, can you share a little bit about what y'all saw happening that you wanted to bring awareness to, or at least up for discussion? Uh, for for Watchdog One in Chicago? Oh no! Oh, and and is that where? Uh, admittedly, I did not play Watchdogs One as much, and I'm still. Uh, intimidated somewhat uh, by watchdogs too but you you referenced what was going on in Chicago is that a, a build from the game or is it something that y'all saw on the news that said oh. no no it is from the news uh, when we did watchdog one we we're focusing on the city of Chicago uh, because it's a beautiful city but also because this is one of the most surveilled city in the US the amount of cameras and everything and even the the programs they have in place uh, facing a I, I would say uh, a very strong problem with criminality in this in this city uh, really drove us to to expose the surveillance. Uh, uh, Chicago was perfect to expose to people uh, a surveillance surveillance states because the city itself and the program themselves were embedded into the city, uh, the real thing. Uh, for us, doing Watchdog 2 in San Francisco was, now that you know that you're being surveilled, look at what they do with the data they collect. Uh, and this is this is the purpose of Watchdog 2, and Watchdog as a brand is to incrementally expose things and tie them together. So Watchdog 1 was surveillance, and Watchdog 2 is basically what is 
what is the use of this data and the story of Marcus is basically the center point of that. Well, one of the one of the interesting things about the the sequel is that you're in San Francisco and Silicon Valley, which is where a lot of these companies like Google, Facebook, even Uber and Netflix that, that will collect seemingly innocuous bits of data about you and combine them into a uh, unified view, if you will. Uh, they're all based there, so you're actually in some cases uh, in missions interacting with the people who are creating the surveillance technology. Well, and you raise a good point, David and Tomas, it seems like y'all have done such a good job of highlighting all of the data, all of the smart cities, the connected cars and other technology that we've highlighted on the Buzz Off show. It is coming together, if not already there. Uh, Have you seen kind of what is the hope? Is it a return to the presumption of innocence before, you know, proven guilty, what, what is the overall takeaway message that y'all hope the gamers receive from playing Watch Dogs 2? Uh, I'm going to give you a non-answer, and I'm sorry about that, but, uh, but I oh, think it's okay. you understand what I'm trying yeah. to say. Uh, I believe we're, I'm an entertainer, we make, we make entertainment, and I think it's not for us to to give the conclusion of that. What we're trying to do, though, is to ask questions, and we want people to look into it and to document and to, to read and to, to get in touch with that. We're not here to, to tell people uh, what they should be doing with technology. Uh, I think it's either for technical inclined person or politics to, to approach those things, or at least legislators. What we're trying to do, though, is to ask questions and, through an entertaining package, allow people that use their phone on a daily basis, not thinking about uh, terms and agreement and accepting everything, to ha- and even looking at a camera uh, on a wall, to have a different, a different way to think about it and to reflect about that. Uh, I think it's not a message we're trying to pull, to, to give. It's, it's just a set of questions and, and pre-made questions so those people and everyone can have a better, uh, uh, I would say, a healthier relationship with technology. Well, it's a, it's a dialogue, a discussion, it, which to me seems a very, uh, when I think, uh, I say a very French uh, perspective, uh, at least when we've spoken of, of, you want people to go to the coffee shop and have a robust conversation over wine, coffee, that uh, I wholeheartedly encourage as long as wine is involved. Uh, but, it, but a conversation, just to not accept what's in front, but take a second look and perhaps explore. At the, at the beginning of the game, there's a, there's a cut scene that explains what uh, the information, uh, the Internet of Things are, and things, uh, uh, other technology-related elements are in the game. There's a, there's a phrase that you are now less valuable than the data you produce. And that phrase, more than anything, has stuck with me uh, when talking to people about this game because it's something that a lot of people don't realize. But it, it's uh, completely true from a, a technology point of view. You individually are not nearly as valuable to a company as the habits and data that you produce that can be packaged and resold. I, I like that. And as the message going into our last uh, commercial break, you are now less valuable than the data you produce. So we'll be right back on Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. This is Skip Coriel 
host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings for Medicine on Call and participate in a lively conversation. Learn what's happening behind the headlines in medicine. Understand Obamacare and learn how to protect yourself and navigate the system. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz. And if you're listening live, you found us on a Wednesday between 2 and 3 Eastern. If not, hopefully you found our podcast streaming uh, feed. But podcasts are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com iTunes, search Lawyer Liz, and a whole host of other podcast services. So welcome back, and we're chatting today, and thank you to the guests, David Maynard and Tomas Gifford, uh, talking about watchdogs, too. And Tomas, I have in the data that we are creating, and uh, one of the things that I have to raise a bone of contention is... uh, the is it an app through the website? Wait, let me let me uh, let me jump in here. So people often ask me how I got involved in this project and how I how I met Tomas, and uh, the the story is actually pretty interesting. Uh, when they were doing the production and marketing for the first game, the original Watch Dogs, uh, Ubisoft made an application called We Are Data that uh, you could pick three cities in Europe and in real time you could watch. Uh, open source information about that city. It would be tweets, Instagram photos, Foursquare check-ins. Mapped out live? Mapped out live. Wow. And it was interesting, and it was actually so good that as a a security consultant, I actually used it in several presentations to kind of bring awareness to people about the dangers of these little bits of information that you, you, you think are harmless, but then later on can be reconstructed into a single picture of it. So no one ever thinks about that single selfie or that check-in at the coffee shop. They don't think it, it gives away anything important. But the machine is paying attention. But Once you put it all together, it gives you a pretty accurate view of what a person's like. 
So with Watch Dogs 2, uh, fast forward, there was an application called Selfie Reveal. And Selfie Reveal, uh, it is, uh, the URL actually is uh, Selfie Reveal. S-E-L, uh, wait. S-E-L-F-I-E-R-E-V-E-A-L.com I'm, I'm getting a, I'm getting a challenge on life. .com or Ubisoft.com. So selfiereveal.ubisoft.com. And so, yeah. Tomas, who crafted... For the record, I, I did know how to spell selfie. Uh, it just no. took a second. No. But depending on the day, I have to admit, it has been quite insulting to me on playing around with it because uh, it will analyze and your you know, the yeah. selfie. So we just took a, a picture of uh, Elizabeth in studio and we ran it through Selfie Reveal. and It's it's short, a couple of years away, so I'll, I'll give it a little bit of a grace... Uh, period there, but uh, yeah, it it's providing a little bit of information. It's it's saying that I'm in Baltimore, Maryland, so mm, well, that's just the internet. Okay, but it gives you all kinds of analytics, including financial status, and I am not shady. No, it you says are. I am. One of the one of the one of the categories are. Uh, uh, Defiant person and Elizabeth is apparently shady, and uh, this application works by analyzing the photo you took, uh, your uh, facial features, how you, uh, your uh, head position, how you smile, how uh, open or close your eyes are. All these little things that you don't think about, uh, and the information comes from uh, li- like actual open source libraries uh, that you can get that have benefited from the mass collection of photos of people and they can do analysis on uh, the photo and find the little things that will set uh, people apart. But, but, I, but I think uh, the, the purpose was not to insult you. <laughs> the, the, the it's just a reminder really I need more sleep. The fact that a lot of companies and devices are collecting data and are analyzing them uh, in ways we don't understand and we still we don't get. So not only this application may question the quality of the data that is analyzed, but also the algorithm that we use afterwards to make conclusion about that. So the idea is not saying this is not this application saying you're shady. This application is basically telling you that a shitty data broker uh, that, that we not do his job properly could resell some wrong information about you to to a real financial institution just like we've just made happen in this application so it's more about uh trying to understand that everything that's happening with the data everyone is gathering and compiling and analyzing is basically done in some kind of a of a western of a nolo uh, area and this will have a direct impact on on our lives because at some point bank systems will get into social medias to make sure that we're uh, at least we have a profile that suggests we will be able to pay. Well, and you raise a good point because it's been something we have warned people about even from when I've handled recruiting for and on-campus interviews for law students over the even seven, eight years ago, reminding them, please don't put those pictures on Facebook open for the world to see because I see them when I'm determining whether to invite you into the firm for an interview. But clients, future employers, it's, it's an issue. So what happens when 
it's not an accurate snapshot. That's that's scary to think about. One of the one of the most interesting bits of of, technolo- of, of technology that is being highlighted here is that there's actually all kinds of ways that uh, a person can track you. For instance, uh, they make an educated guess and selfie reveal about where you are. They can also uh, it can also recommend uh, recognize things in the background like landmarks and place where your photo was taken, which kind of leads into a, a, a kind of a strange thing where there's actually all kinds of technology now that will allow uh, marketers to place where you are not using GPS or whatnot. For instance, there's a, there's an application that was well talked about a couple of months ago. It uses a microphone on your phone and is constantly listening. And television adverts or whatnot in or advertisements in stores will play a sub-audible uh, tone that you as a person can't hear, but your phone can recognize. And it will uh, be able to tell uh, the application that you've heard this sound in this particular location. Uh, and then will it pull that information and determine that sound was played in the vicinity so the microphone picked it up so you know, technically Liz heard it and then will it cross reference with perhaps say my debit card or my credit card that I used for a purchase to then say well we noticed within 20 minutes she purchased X or Y so therefore it worked it didn't work or tweaking well for larger retailers that's that's what they're calling targeted advertising now to see if uh, where your foot traffic goes, how long you spend looking at things, and then if actually if you end up buying anything or not. And that's that type of technology is built in. And when you download an application and it says, hey, can I have access to your camera and your phone, people don't think twice about it, and they, they're not aware of what's actually going on in the background. What if you say no, do you actually have you said no, or can they override your preferences? Well... Officially? Unofficially? <laughs> they're not supposed to. <laughs> but they're also collecting information about where you're going constantly. So, you know, the scruples are somewhat uh, confusing. Well, but, but I think what it, what this discussion is highlighting right now is that this idea of data surveillance was really confined not so long ago to our use of the Internet. Right now it has expanded into the very physical world through those uh, tracking methods and other even cameras and facial recognition and all those kind of elements. So what was strictly uh, an Internet, I would say, issue uh, about privacy has extended to all the realm and especially the, the real world. Well, and I, I promise I did not set you up to do this for me uh, at the beginning of the show, but you're highlighting or illustrating the importance for you know the gamers and the community at large to pay attention to what's going on in Washington as the Federal Trade Commission, for one, has really started cracking down on some of the marketers and the companies saying, I don't know that you properly disclosed that you were one collecting this information. You saw that with the Samsung TVs and the microphones, as well as some of the children's toys, the Hello Barbie, that uh, Barbie was listening no matter, you know, and responding back to your children, perhaps marketing. So, uh, again, 
Thank you for doing that, gentlemen. But it does highlight. Now, in crafting the game, Thomas, did you have a favorite, uh, as we start to wind down the show, did you have a favorite uh, Easter egg, so to speak, that something that got into the game that was a little tip of your hat, you know, a wink, so to speak, at some of the folks you've gotten to know in the community? Uh, I think I have two, and they are very, very focused. One is uh, being able to name again your boy, Serge. Which was really a highlight of my of my past six months, and <laughs> the other one, apart from the chance to work with amazing people and to have their their inputs into the game, was really to to be able to work with a dual core and have one of their song into the game. Oh, fantastic! That is that is cool. I'm going to have to now pay more attention to the soundtrack, and uh, but but thank you, uh, gentlemen, for joining us today and. Uh, sharing a little bit about how the hacking and information security community is being reflected and influencing uh, games. And, of course, for the listeners, if you don't already have it, go out, buy it, download it, play it. It's Watch Dogs 2 from Ubisoft. and I- It's not as painful as Scorpion. It actually does a good job. Of representing technology. Exactly. It gets it right as opposed to so many other media outlets that get it wrong. But I am your host, Lawyer Liz. Thank you to Halbu Smith. Thank you to America's Web Radio. And tune in next time to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.